very positive. I think it's a, a successful move to here, and, and the way it looks, I think it'll be here to stay. There's a lot of people. I think it's set out very, very well indeed. It's accessible, it's lively, it... It kind of reminds me of uh, Smithfield. Wow, a group of farmers being positive. I'm joking. Uh, it seems the new Lammer went well. Uh, we'll hear from those who attended on the programme this week. Among them, Julie Robinson, fresh from last week's Oxford Farming Conference. It's like such an energetic way to start the year. It just gives you that boost. Sean Sparling is back after his appearance at the AICC conference this week. And later, back at Lammer, an answer to this question on the huge armour track stand. And we're watching this space. Will it... Will it Will you be as big next year or if, I mean, class aren't here this year, if they came and offered you a bit of money for half of it, would you give them it? The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Sean Dunderdale. Hello. Accessible, clean, shiny, dry, not windy. Uh, just some of the comments from those attending Lama at Birmingham's NEC this week. It's the first time it's been held indoors. Of course, the second day of last year's event at the East of England showground was cancelled, you might remember, after a storm damaged stalls overnight. No such fear of that happening this time around. So what did those who attended make of it? In a moment, Mark Carter and Stephen Mowbray from Bionature UK exhibiting in one of the halls. First, though, among the visitors, Club Hectare co-founders Chris Hewis and first, John O'Dixon. I think it's set out very, very well indeed. I think it's going to be a big success. Uh, the, the days of the muddy wellies have gone uh, from, you know, trekking around Peterborough, initially back up in New where it all started. Um, it's needed to happen, and I think, you know... It's probably been two or three years planning, and I think they planned it well. Here we are. There are a lot of people here, and they've come from all parts of the country as well, haven't they? Yeah. Well, this is what we've just been sort of finding out. There are a lot of lot of Scottish people here. I think the rail network helps uh, into Birmingham. You know, obviously we're down by car. I'm here for two days. Chris here for a day. Um, and and I genuinely think it's it's looking buoyant. It's looking good, Chris. Tell us, your initial reaction, first morning of Lama, what do you make of it? Uh, very positive. I think it's a, a successful move to here, and, and the way it looks, I think it'll be here to stay. There's a lot of people. Hard to judge because it's such a huge site, but it feels altogether more professional. It feels like a, a big European show. Um, and, of course, everyone's more relaxed. The visitors are more relaxed. The, the uh, exhibitors are more relaxed. The time to talk, you know, you're not shivering and standing in a puddle. Uh, so, first impressions, I'm, I'm uh, thinking it's a really good move. We're in Hall 10, then, here at Lama, Bionature UK, Stephen Mowbray. Stephen, what do you make of, uh, of Lama this year? Uh, love it. It's accessible, it's lively. It, it kind of reminds me of uh, Smithfield. Uh, Smithfield show when I was a lad. Uh, it's extremely well attended, and um, yeah, I think we're going to have a lot of success here. We're getting people here from that are flying into Birmingham Airport from Ireland, so we're seeing a lot, a lot more different clientele. As you say, it is very accessible, isn't it? We've got lots of people walking past as well. It's going to be a good start to the year for Bionature UK. Yeah, hopefully a brilliant start, and we'll get to we'll get to meet people that we normally don't meet with with the show when it was over in the Eastern Counties, and now we're getting to see people from Lancashire. From, from Cumbria, from this side, and also coming over from Ireland. Mark is here. What do you make of Lama? Lama, well, we're stood near the entrance, as you can see, and at 8.30 this morning, it was like there was a food scare, and everyone ran through. It scared us. Um, we had to hide behind our banners. Fantastic. And as, as Stephen just said, it's, it's accessible, isn't it? It's... We love it. Um, 
easy to get to and I, I don't yeah it's gonna work it's gonna work we're gonna be here year on year Mark Carter and before him Stephen Mowbray at Bionature UK and before them John O'Dixon and Chris Hewis sharing their thoughts on the new Lama indoors at the Birmingham NEC. Also there on the Roythorn Solicitor stand was Julie Robinson fresh from her role at the Oxford Farming Conference. We'll hear more on that in a moment. First though the two of us decided to take a walk and do a bit of talking while we uh, ventured our way through the very busy halls at the NEC. So what did Julie make of the new venue? I think it's great actually and I can imagine that it's here to stay. I mean we we exhibit um, and it's good for us. I mean we've always you know seen lots of contacts and um, and other professionals as well at this show and uh, this year's no different. In fact I think it's a bit difficult to gauge how many people are here because of the sheer size and all of the different rooms as we make our way through but actually really pleased, it's good easy to access no problem getting here this morning um so i think you know it's got to be where it where it stays and last week of the oxford farming conference uh, how would you rate that yeah well <laughs> quite different quite different thing um i mean the the, the oxford farming conference is it's like such an energetic way to start the year it just gives you that boost that um policy shot you know you you're made to think you meet your tribe, if you want to put it that way, right at the beginning of the year. It's a great start to the year. I love it again because I meet a different, you know, different group of people. Maybe meet lots of people again, lots of other professionals, but really more and more farmers at the Oxford Farming Conference. I think where it has really developed in the last few years is is in bringing in a group of emerging leaders and the scholars. There's a real energy in there from. You know, farmers on farm taking a few days out to come and engage and debate. And, I, you know, again, I think the Oxford Farming Conference is going from strength to strength, to be honest. It does seem a very positive start to 2019 with, with this, the refreshed lama with discussion at the Farming Conference last... I mean, yes, there's still Brexit happening, there's still other issues, but it feels... I don't know, it feels people are trying to look on the bright side. Yeah, I mean... You know, at the end of the day, people have to get on and run their businesses. I mean, yes, give it 12 weeks, Sean, and we'll see how the positive start, you know, is is panning out. Because I can see, I mean, even just talking to seed potato, you know, the seed potato guys this morning, you know, without a deal, the day after Brexit, that's it, export stop. Full stop. So how do you do those? How do you do those deals to export, even to Egypt? And, you know, never mind just the European Union, but Egypt... And that's one example. There are many examples. So we absolutely need to know what's happening to be able to just do business. You know, that's our clients. And obviously, if our clients are in an uncertain um, scenario and don't know, actually, what, what, what kind of terms they're going to be trading under post 29th of March, if they are uncertain, they stop doing things. They stop growing they stop making major decisions because everybody hangs back and that's not good for the sector as a whole. Julie Robinson from Roythorn speaking there at Lama. We'll be uh, back at Lama a little later on the Armour Track stand, one of the biggest at the NEC. Was there an ulterior motive to its size? All revealed in a short while. 
First, from one event to another, our agronomist Sean Sparling was there. Happy New Year, Sean. Yes, good morning, Sean. Seems a long time ago now, but uh, a very happy New Year to you too. And I wish every single one of our, our listeners and everybody out there a very, very peaceful, prosperous and above all a very healthy 2019. So we'll come to agronomy in a minute because this week I haven't been out on the field. Um, I've actually been, as chairman of AICC, the Association of the Independent Crop Consultants, which is the largest largest body of independent crop consultants in Europe. We have a a national three-day technical conference for all of our members and advisors. Uh, And at that conference, we pull in technical experts from the world of agriculture, the highest profile, the most dedicated scientists and uh, most well-respected people from our industry to come and tell us the most up-to-date data that we can possibly use to help our growers save money and benefit the environment and do the job perhaps slightly better than we've been doing it for the last 12 months. So you you take away an awful lot from conferences like this and it's just a knowledge gathering exercise really. Um, And this year we decided to build it around IPM, Integrated Pest Management, which just to explain what that means, every single decision I make in a field is based upon integrated pest management. So I look at the cultural methods we've employed. I look at whether the weeds there need taking out, whether they are quite happy growing away in the bottom of the crop. They're not going to compromise quality or the the crop itself. We allow them to stay down there and the bugs and the grubs can feed on them, which then feed other bugs and birds and mammals. And so it's a whole process of elimination. And when we get to a point where the particular problem we're dealing with can be controlled in no other way than using a fungicide, a herbicide, an insecticide, a molluscicide, a biocide or whatever, then that is what we do. Because it, it is a process of elimination. We do work with Mother Nature. We let the beneficials treat the problem as it when it comes to insect pests. And it's only when the, the beneficial insects start to fail and the predators can't keep up with the pressure of the, the bugs and the grubs which are causing the problem, that's when we step in to use a pesticide. And we desperately need that pesticide. It all works together. It's a holistic approach. And modern agriculture isn't just this totally different thing to organic. It is a hybrid of all of the systems we employ organic practices and conventional practices and we try and merge them together for the benefit of everyone the environment the consumer the crop itself etc so that's how we do it and we learn an awful lot for example this year um, one of the technical um, entomologists was saying that of all of the bugs and the grubs and the insects that you find in an oilseed rape crop for example Um, 25% of them are pests. The other 75% are predators and beneficials. So that's why it's so important we work to pest thresholds and we only treat pests when those thresholds are met. Otherwise, we start to damage the beneficial population. And that's what these conferences are all about. And that's what IPM is all about. And we also hear from very, very high profile industry people. Minette Batters, the NFU president, for example, addressed our conference on the, the final day on the Thursday to talk about the agricultural bill and the potential uh, going forward. So absolutely fascinating conference, 230 odd independent agronomists milling about in there. Uh, We have 262 
members. On each day, we had about 140 members there. So very well attended. We broke all records. Absolutely wonderful. And can't wait till next year. It sets me up for the year. So let's move on to agronomy then. We've had very little rain since Christmas, actually. We've had 1.2 mil of rain. And what that means is the land's drying out. So people are starting to think about getting some spring crops in. And if you're on land where you've got spring barley to go in the ground um, and you're not on black grassland and the reason you grow it is because your land is suitable for spring barley and for no other reason than that and you get good results from it now would be the time about 350 seeds per square meter is what you should be aiming at um, check your germination check your thousand seed weight work it out on terms of in terms of that don't just have a guess although the last time I uh, told someone to work it out and told him he was doing it wrong and he'd always put a bag and a half on we did all the sums and it worked out he needed a bag and a half but do just work it out um, and get it in well good seed bed key to everything it's relatively dry not bone dry but it, there's some good seed beds out there if however you are delaying because you've got black grass then you want to be leaving it another month or eight six weeks yet because you need that flush of black grass to come through so you can deal with the with glyphosate with prior to putting the crop in the ground to give yourself a fighting chance um oilseed rate pigeons have found them keep your eye on that slugs little pockets here and there again keep your eye on that and remember that metaldehyde has now been withdrawn so you can buy it up until june and you have a use up until june 2020 uh, which is disappointing to us all um, but we do have ferric ferric phosphate of course still to use for now anyway um Winter wheat is the last thing. If you had a ticket pre-Christmas to apply an insecticide to control BYDV vectors because they were in the field, the bird cherry oat aphid, grain aphid, rose grain aphid, um, it hasn't been cold enough to stop them. So if they were there and you haven't sprayed them, you may still need to go and do that. But apart from that, things don't look too bad in the field. We are getting a bit of soil temperature still. Um, the propizomide seems to have worked really well. And remember, if you haven't got it on yet, you've only got until the end of January to get that done. Um, it's going to be an interesting week this week, Sean, because we've got the whole Brexit vote coming up. And I'll tell you now, just as Minette Batter said, if we get a no deal, it doesn't bear thinking about the impact that will cause, not just to the UK, but to agriculture and to farming in general. It really is a worry. And I've got my fingers crossed that those fellows down there see sense. Uh, we can but hope. Thank you, Sean Sparling of Sparling Agronomy Services and Chairman of the Association of Independent Crop Consultants. We return to Lama in a moment as we chat with Dwayne Clover of Clover Farm Services on the Armatrack stand. First, the latest from Open Field with Kit Dickinson. Good morning, Sean. Happy New Year to you. Um, in week this week, we've uh, seen that France has lowered its forecast for the 2018-2019 soft wheat exports outside the European Union to 8.7 million tonnes from 8.9 last month. Intra-EU trade estimate for 1819 softweed exports were left unchanged at 7.7 million tonnes. French softweed predicted the end-of-season stocks were increased from 2.8 million to 2.7 million. The uncertainty around Brexit is keeping the pound weaker and therefore adding some value to our domestic wheat prices. On the other hand, there has been a rise in the cropped area of winter wheat this season. With a good drilling period in the back end and a mild winter, wheat crops are looking well. Although we still have a long way to go in the growing season, with an increased area and good yield and quality prospects, this could have a negative effect on new crop prices. Oilseed rate market continues to hover around the £320 mark for spot sales, but consumers still need to take cover in the further forward. This is leading to a lack of sellers until the price goes up and nervous buyers only purchasing small lots at a time, 
and a lack of liquidity is holding the market back from trading. The UK S&D looks tight for both new and old crop. Beans. We have seen some activity starting in new crop beans this week, trading circa £25 over futures. There is a lack of activity on old crop due to a small crop volume and peas have been replaced in the feed rations. New crop contracts are currently available, which will track the futures market, so please get in touch with your Open Field Farm Business Manager for more information. Prices this week. Feed wheat, February 172 to 174. May, 175 to 177. November, 154 to 156. And milling premiums for old crop are in the region of 14 to 15 pounds. Feed barley for February is 166 to 168, May 168 to 170, and harvest new crop 134 to 136. Malting barley premiums are in the region of £25. Oilseed rape, as I previously said, February 320, May 323 to 325, and new crop November 317 to 319. Beans for February are currently trading at 223 to 228, May 230 to 235. Old crop values are very much dependent on haulage. And new crop November circa 190. Premiums for human consumption are available, but they are sample specific. Thanks, Kit. Kit Dickinson from Open Field. As we heard earlier, Lammers' move to the NEC at Birmingham was met with a mostly positive reaction, and that's uh, despite a number of main dealers such as Class, John Deere, New Holland not being in attendance. Was that a mistake or a wise move to see how the first year went? And if they return next year, where are they going to fit? Armatrack did attend in style. They had, and I checked with my tape measure, the second biggest stand of Lammer, having booked it a year ago. Dwayne Clover is from Boston-based Armatrack dealer Clover Farm Services. It is massive, and um, I guess we're making a statement. Armatrack are here, and uh, I would think by the end of Lammer 19, um, there shouldn't be anybody that's not heard of or seen Armatrack. That's the idea. And what are you making of Lama here at the NEC? We embraced it right from the beginning. So um, last year, um, with the could call it a disaster at Peterborough, what happened with the weather, etc. Uh, we decided there's no point in crying over spilt milk. We already got a stand book there and then, which, as you can see, was at the time the biggest stand available. Uh, we did that, so we followed it through the whole 12 months. All the way along, at the back of your mind, you're wondering, will people come? Uh, you speak to a lot of people, especially in our area. Now it's too far. But obviously it's a central position. It's the NEC. Uh, it's well connected for travel. Um, and it is absolutely buzzing. So day one, it is absolutely buzzing. And our stand is just per- permanently crowded. Uh, and everybody's looking at all the products that we've got on display. You had a product launch uh, earlier today, the Armatrack uh, 1254, 1254, is it? I've got my glasses on, I'm trying to see. Tell us a little bit about the the product you launched. Okay, the the Armatrack 1254 has been a couple of years on the way. Um, It's uh, brand new, Uh, it's a 125 horsepower, it's a tier 4 Deutz engine, it does have AdBlue, so that's the first one in the lineup because we've increased the horsepower. Um, It's got lots of 
toys on it with a um, front linkage, front PTO, cab suspension, electric mirrors, heated air seat, uh, reverse, well, a, a rear view camera instead of a mirror. So these are all little things that you say, hey, really maybe not necessary, some of them, but we've just increased the comfort a little bit. Everything else is still the same. You still get all the, the hydraulic top link, link arm, the four spool valves, full climate control, but it's, it's just a, a, a well-finished tractor, much quieter, um, and uh, yeah, we're, we're very encouraged and the interest in it straight away. And what is it about this one that attracted you? And you know, what you wanted well, the part of the team? Well, we, the horsepower. Uh, people have been all along asking for more horsepower. 113 horsepower Perkins is the the most we had, so we needed more. 125 horsepower um, is still not great for most um, arable farms, but that's not the sector that we're in. So for the, for example, the livestock farmer, that gives them ability to to mow the grass easily, plenty of power, bale it and, and, and put a load of bales on a big trailer and haul it up the hill. So yeah, they're, they're well happy. And we will sell a lot with uh, front end loaders as well, I'm sure. And here we are, as I say, on this stand, business going very well, both at Clover Farm and Armour Track as well. Yeah, exactly. You know, we've been on a journey together for a few years now. We're expanding all the time. We have an agricultural contracting business um, and we service and repair machines. We we obviously sell things um, and we do cover a very large area. So we're expanding. We're hoping soon to be moving into new premises, which will give us a lot more uh, workshop facilities so uh, it's it's all looking good it's watch this space yet again Sean uh, we're always watching this space definitely <laughs> and we're watching this space will you, will, you, will you be as big next year or if I mean class aren't here this year if they came and offered you a bit of money for half of it would you give them it no chance <laughs> you know uh, you've got to be in it to win it you know and it's very disappointing there's so many major manufacturers and we, we have people coming along even to me this morning going uh, any idea where John Deere is? Uh, they're not here. You know, where's Case? They're not here. Where's Kubota? They're not here. Where's Class? They're not here. The list of not here's is longer than what's here's. And the other manufacturers that are here, uh, all of them, but especially the manufacturers of tractors, uh, they're put on a fantastic show and they're going to get the customers. They're, they're, you know, they're getting it. This place is heaving with people and it's inside. It's warm. I'm, I'm in my shirt. You know, what month is this, Sean? Uh, January. <laughs> here we are in January. You know, a bit different to last year. I, I'm warm when I'm in my shirt sleeves. So this was always going to be the difference. Massive investment, don't get me wrong. Uh, it's paid off. It's day one, you know. So you're back next year, yeah? Yeah, we'll be back every year. You know, we've got this space. We're keeping it. Dwayne Clover, certainly hard to miss on that armour track stand at Lama and staking his claim to it again next year. It'll be interesting to see if those other dealers do return and how the event itself will now evolve at its new home. Plenty of those at Lama also had kind words to say about the programme as well, so thank you, glad you enjoy it. Uh, are you going to enjoy the weather, though, that's coming this week? That's the question. The Farming Programme. Five-day forecast. It's one I'll try and answer for you. This week, we're not going to be seeing the snow that they've been seeing in some parts of uh, Europe, particularly deep. I mean, parts of the Northern Alps, seeing a month's worth of snow this week alone. They're expecting 150, 250 centimetres of fresh snow as well over the next few days. So uh, good for the skiers. What we are watching is the end of this coming week into the early part of the following week. There is, uh, I'm told by the forecasters, a potential for low pressure which will slide down through the UK, 
could bring some notable cold air. We'll keep a check on that as we get closer to it. This week itself, fairly settled, it's fair to say. The jet stream is slowly on the move. 11, for example, the high today, the wind from the west-northwest gusting at around 50 miles an hour. Overnight, we're looking at lows generally of around 5 through most of the week, perhaps Going below freezing, though, as I say, towards the uh, end of the week itself. Sunny starts to tomorrow, but it will cloud over. Highs of around 8. The wind continuing from the west-northwest, 15, maybe gusting at uh, 21 miles an hour. Similar story through Tuesday. Clear skies to start Tuesday. Lows, again, around 5. Daytime highs of about 9. That wind still from the west-southwest, 20, maybe getting a bit stronger, 30 miles an hour through Tuesday itself. Some rain possible Tuesday into Wednesday. Won't last long. Quite a misty night. Then clear skies to start Wednesday. Temperatures perhaps 3. Some sunshine through the middle of the week. The wind continuing from the west at about 20 or 30 miles an hour. So I say fairly settled this week with that westerly wind. Uh, But it is the latter end of the week, maybe into the following week, where we might see some colder weather. And the hourly forecasts, of course, are there to keep you updated with that. For now, though, that is the forecast. Hello to uh, Jim Baxter, who emailed just after the programme last week in reference to our farming pantomime that, of course, we do at the end of each year. He asked if we could do more than one panto a year, saying our most recent offering a fortnight ago was so bad in places it was hilarious. I think that's a compliment. Thanks, Jim. Uh, Not sure about the increased panto idea, though we do often discuss Brexit here on the programme. So will that do? It is, of course, another big week for Brexit. Our news team will key up to date with the latest goings on at Westminster. And, of course, if there are any implications for farming, I will bring them to you at the usual time next Sunday. And still with politics, next Sunday on the programme, we'll definitely be exploring a little bit more from what Michael Gove had to say at the farming conference, especially this part of his speech. The adoption of minimum tillage techniques can not only decrease costs and therefore improve productivity overall, but they also reduce runoff and erosion. Well, that's a public good which contributes to improving water quality and for which farmers should be properly paid. More on that next Sunday. Until then, have a good week.